Greyhound leader to trap one. Emergency alert to all radar stations. Welcome to Trap One. I'm Mark. And I'm Keith. So, we're going to talk about uh, Una McCormick's Molten Heart today. We are. Both been reading this book. Uh, but first, any, any news, Doctor Who news grabbed you this week? The macro terror has been delayed a little bit, I understand, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah, I saw you tweeting about that today. Um, I think a lot of people thought that was going to happen because the season 18 Blu-ray has been delayed. Uh, well, so you think it's a knock-on effect, do you? Yeah, so maybe, because they'd only be releasing about a week apart. Is that about right? That's about, yeah, it would have been now with the change for 19, um, 18, wouldn't it? Yeah, so. I'd rather have the macro terror than season 18, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My opinion on season 18 is well documented. But we can have both, though. This is this is the beauty of it. Well, they used to release two videos on the same day, didn't they, years ago? Why can't they do the same DVDs? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And you used to get, obviously, the new adventures and the misadventures on the same day as well, once a month, didn't you? And the, uh, they did. Virgin Output, uh, and we've had the vinyl announce of uh, and the vinyl announcement of Galaxy Four and Destiny of the Daleks. Brilliant covers, have to be said. Yeah, beautiful covers. Any point in owning Destiny of the Daleks on vinyl? Do you think? Well, to be honest, as a kid, because I had Genesis of the Daleks, I wanted Destiny as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm slightly older and don't own a record player. Probably less um, keen, but uh, in fact, I haven't bought any of the new vinyls. I confess. I've, I'll, Stick to me Pescatons and me Genesis of the Daleks. That does me quite well. I've just got a new record player uh, for Christmas, so I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to Galaxy 4, I think, because... Uh, if nothing else, the cover nice... is superb, isn't it? I really yeah, do like that. I can it's... imagine people just buying to put that on the wall. It's a nice cover, and it's, it's a good chance to revisit it as well, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah, so I think that's it for the news, isn't it? I think we've actually got through one without a dead body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usually yeah, we're mourning somebody on these things, but no, I think we're relatively unscathed. Yeah, that's true. That's, um... Graham Curry, I suppose. But, uh, as a ah, yeah, as a, season, as a Doctor Seven fan, I suppose that must be a bit uh, upsetting. Yeah, uh, writer of The Happiness Patrol, which is the first story I ever saw as well. Really? Which was the so one that's a bit epoch-making the view, then. The one that got me into it, yeah. Heavens. So. Yeah, it's very sad. You have to doff your cap. Yes. Uh, so, Una McCormick has written the second of the 13th Doctor spin-off novels, Molten Heart. She has. Excellent cover. That's one of the reasons I bought it, because uh, it attracted my eye straight away. Yeah, you got. Yeah, it's quite kind of uh, bright. You've got sort of a sea, the sea of lava, as described in the book. You know, it does look a bit like rounds on fire. But never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got Ryan on the cover of this one. Each of the Burning Merrily. <laughs> each of the friends has got their own cover, haven't you? You've got yeah, uh, Graham on the Good Doctor uh, and Yaz on Combat Magics. I've not read that one yet. No, I've, neither have I. I've got it waiting, but uh, no, haven't had time. Yeah, that's. I got uh, distracted by Scratchman. So. Yeah, I love Scratchman. Uh, which obviously we talked about on last week's podcast. If you haven't heard it, it's still available. I heard it in the wee hours of last night. So I'm <laughs> up to date. Uh, so the opening describes a planet uh, which the Doctor decides she wants to visit um, it's described as sort of pretty distant, nondescript nice enough but there's nothing really there no reason to travel to which well, so, is probably not the best way to set up a book really no, well, reminds, <laughs> this sounds mundane, we'll go there I thought it reminded me a bit of Carlisle so I thought yeah well, I suppose like, yeah. with their TARDIS free B&Ms yes. doesn't, yeah. <laughs> doesn't sound too bad yeah, yeah. As I said before, I was quite fascinated by that opening scene because it starts with Yaz exploring the TARDIS and 
Whether these books were written prior to um, the series actually starting or not, I don't know, because um, she's describing looking for exits and exploring corridors and things. It gives the impression of it being more like the Capaldi TARDIS rather than the, uh, the on-screen new one. Yeah, you wonder if the writers hadn't, hadn't got a, a glimpse of the new interior yet. And a lot of the characters seem to be as you would describe them rather than as you've seen them. So I wonder if it was all, a lot of this was based on um, pre-production. Yeah, I may be completely wrong, but uh, there's quite I got that th- impression a couple of times. There's a thread of, uh, of Ryan constantly wanting to press buttons, isn't there, which is his thing in, in The Woman Who Fell to Earth, because he presses the button which allows the... Uh, oh, the... the the uh, alien Tim Shaw to arrive, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it kind of give, gives the permission, permission. <laughs> uh, to, uh, to to land on the planet. To cause a lot of people to die, yes. Yeah, um, including his own grandmother. Yeah, so it's his fault, basically. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Uh, and I, th- I think there is a thing in, uh, once they get aboard the TARDIS in the Ghost Monument as well, he says, Does it sort of, can I press this or something? And the Doctor goes, no. no. Yeah. But then they don't really carry on with that. But uh, I guess if they've if the writers had only had sight of you know, the early scripts and stuff like that, that it might have been... Uh, Plus it would have made him incredibly childish, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he can't grow out of not pressing buttons all the time. <laughs> and it's not a sort of a symptom of dyspraxia wanting to press buttons, so it's... Uh, yeah, I'm quite glad they dropped that to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's something maybe uh, that was... Uh, maybe in his, uh, an early character outline or something like that. Yeah, more Father Dougal than a character in Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but what the the doctor says there's probably something more going on underneath the surface of this planet. Mm. Um, I quite like this because um, I'm sort of quite into fortune studies and conspiracy theories and things. And the hollow earth theory is one that's been going around for a long, long time. Like um, Haley of um, Haley's comet fame originally thought that for the Earth to be acting as it does, there must be a whole region of uh, subterranean dwellers underneath. All oh, right. <laughs> so I suppose, thought, oh, I wonder if that's what inspired the idea, whether it was coincidence, because the theory sort of like raises its head over so often, and because of the flat Earthers, it's sort of like the hollow Earthers are sort of like sticking their nose above the parapet as well, so it's just um, a nice bit of coincidence. These conspiracy theories were appearing again online just as I was reading this book. I'd never heard of that one. Well, don't study it too much, because no. it's obviously balmy. But <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of like, we've drilled quite deep down into the Earth, and I think we've probably found it, but no. So if you're ever in the yeah. Arctic, apparently you can find your way into the hollow Earth. Whether it'll be full of um, stone people, I wouldn't like to say. Probably. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very interesting. Um, I didn't know that one. Uh, so... That's thrown you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, th- I, thought, I felt like it said something about the Doctor's character as well, that like kind of um, looking beneath the surface sort of thing, you know, not not just kind of writing the planet off by by looking at it and realizing on the surface, yeah, yeah. So in the same way, she sort of choose companions and things like that. You know, she can she can see more in people. Uh, it's even like with rules and stuff like that. You know, that uh, the companions are sort of and that again comes across as sort of like a. Uh, a series Bible things, and she she looks beneath the surface of the things, and you could literally take that on board and base the plot around it. Yeah. Well, one thing I did wonder about this actually is um, when you look at the pre-publicity material for uh, series eleven, some of it's got a lot of like um, gems and things like that in it. And if you, if you oh yeah, this, on uh, the there's yeah, all, there's all different colour stones around them uh, around the, the four main characters, and the guitarist interior sort of like is very sort of um, crystalline as well. Yeah. It? So, I, mean, I guess that's that's probably the inspiration for the uh, uh, for the the style of the 
pre-publicity. But yeah, I wondered if, uh, I mean, I don't know. That was inspiration for the plot, maybe. Yeah, yeah it's you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of a bit of a, a touchstone sort of thing. No pun intended. <laughs> maybe Chris Chibnall's a new agent, is into crystals, crystals and things. Yeah, yeah maybe he's a... Do any chakras. <laughs> well, the the chakra is the... Uh, oh my God, it's all coming the, together. Yes. <laughs> the alien he wrote for um, Power 3, wasn't it? yeah. Uh, so it's all based on the tally in the end. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we uh, we get um, a story about these three friends, um, kind of all with different characteristics. Um, that uh, we find out later on that the characters who live within this planet. Uh, there's one who worries and thinks about everything and goes off to find out what's wrong with the world. Uh, one who is friendly and generous, and one who is careful and industrious. Um, I thought I kind of had like quite, quite a sort of fairy tale feel to it, the way you learn about these three friends, but you don't get names. You do. It's it's kept nicely ambiguous, isn't it? And it's, yeah. You can relate to it later as the story goes on. Yeah, yeah you can. You can work out later on who it is. Um, it sort of reminded me of this, you know, in Harry Potter, the three brothers. Um, I think it's in the last book and the last film. That, the one I've uh, not read and the one I've not seen. Okay. <laughs> all the Harry Potters, except for the last film, and I've seen, read all the books except for the last one. Okay. And for some reason, I'm just enjoying not doing that now, just to irritate people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I to say, I read them all, but I did do the last one. <laughs> uh, no, so you, you don't know that Harry dies at the end. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's um, there's a story within that about these three brothers who, who kind of um, go off and do different things, uh, and it just sort of reminded me of that that sort of vibe. But it had a bit of a bit of a fairy tale sort of uh, feel to it as well. It's a nice way to sort of set it up without giving away too much information as well, isn't it? Which is quite uh... yeah. Um, and I wonder if there was a, a sort of um, a bit of a mirroring or mapping onto the companions of these three characters, with maybe sort of Ryan being the friendly and generous one. Graham being more careful and industrious, um, and uh, Yaz being the the character described as, as wanting to solve things and help things. Because as you were saying in her opening scene, she's uh, she, she talks about how she likes to feel helpful and useful and in control. Mm. Uh, she said when things were going wrong, she was the kind of person who could make a difference, um, and that kind of practical, sensible thing. She's exploring the ship, looking for emergency exits and that sort of thing. And skipping through like the whole book. Um, Yaz does come over a lot better in the book than she does in the TV series because A, she's given something to do and B, it explores her a bit more I mean, everybody's saying that uh, on the TV show she is the least um, developed character everybody seems to like her but nobody really knows her if that makes sense Yeah, 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 she's really likeable but yeah, probably hasn't had Although she's been having some horrible hate uh... mail I've noticed that online been sending her really nasty things about um, her personally. The actress? Yeah, she, yeah, she'd actually put some online and uh, got a groundswell of support, thankfully, from people who were disgusted by it. But no, it was... Uh, I didn't see that. It was, it was quite hurtful um, stuff sent to her, you know, about her yeah. acting ability and things like that. So, yes, I think Doctor Who's going to become quite a challenge for actors in the future if this sort of like, degree of poison is going to be thrown at them. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Mm. I think um, there's a feeling that maybe sort of Chris Chibnall himself isn't as visible as Stephen Moffat and Russell T Davies were. Um, They're quite entertaining and personable people, aren't they, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that um, you know, they're aware of the, you know, the, the side of fandom that's, you know, like more kind of ugly and... Mind you, it was always there. I mean, poor old GNT got like, absolutely um, holed across the coals for a long time, wasn't it? But, yeah. Uh, 
I suppose in those days it was a lot easy, um, easy to avoid this kind of stuff because there was no online. No. Yeah, I think the internet. Fight. Yeah. Definitely. And if somebody somebody's on Twitter, um, you know, there is like a. But this was actually physical letters sent to us, which is ah, right. really quite unpleasant. Yeah. Anyway, so back to the point. Yeah, mm. comes over a lot better in these uh, in the book, book. She's quite a likable character, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so the the doctor and her friends arrive underground. Uh, they find that the walls are studded with precious stones. Uh, it's reminding me a little bit of Pirate Planet, that just sort of turning up and uh, and finding kind of precious gems just kind of lying around the place. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But at least they didn't have a long descriptions of Ulion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they realise that they've been sort of crafted by hand and and, and sort of embedded in the rock. Um, and then they get a, an odd feeling about the place. It makes them feel disorientated. Um, Claustrophobic as well. And yeah. Mention from time to time how they wish they could just see sunshine or just like feel fresh air and things. It's like a very enclosed world. It's an entirely enclosed world. And um, it's quite a nice um, difference because we don't have much of that in Doctor Who, do we? Other than things like the underworld, which is not terribly well presented. Yeah. So to have like this uh, covered world is quite unusual. Yeah, and they're, they're on the, like you say, they're in, on the inside of this, uh, this sphere. You can actually sort of see the entire world, basically, if you're stood in the right place. Well, you, can, you can see everything above you. Yeah. It's got, I felt like it was a really well-developed sort of alien culture and world as well. Um, more so than you... Truly you, alien, yeah. It's yeah, nothing yeah. we could relate to in our world. Yeah. No, and even and just really well thought through in the sense that, like, well, what, what could they eat? What would grow in the dark and it's mushrooms mushrooms the, yes yeah so all that kind of stuff was um, was very well worked out as well in the way the that of corn yes um, and the feelings that the uh, that the inhabitants had about because uh, one of the characters later on goes to the planet's surface um, and he's quite sort of terrified yeah totally overwhelmed yeah, by, by the, the being, expanse of it yeah by there being nothing above them and, and it being totally open mm. Um, I thought that was really well thought out as well if you've lived your entire life like that have you seen the movie Room? nope um, it's um, it's got the actor who plays Captain Marvel her name's just popped out of my head but she's um, I mean it's a, it's a horrible story but she's been uh, kidnapped by somebody and kept in a shed in the garden um, and, and has a kid with them and the uh, kid only knows that one room Right. Um, and then when they get free, it's a lot of it is about the kid finding out about the real world, and it's, it's like total agoraphobia. Well, uh, just having never seen stairs before and things like that, um, how they kind of negotiate that kind of thing. Oh, I see. That makes um, sense. Yeah. I suppose though the difference is the mother could have told the child, so the child yeah. knows there's an outside world. These a lot of these characters don't believe there's an outside world. Yeah. Well, they've got. I think they've got a TV. As a couple of years since watching them, they've got a TV, but yeah. he just thinks a lot of it's real, sort of thing. It's just it's just kind of on the TV. Yeah. A lot of this book is about the denial of characters believing things are happening, doesn't it? Like, yeah. The leader of the thing, she does not believe or does not want to believe. The facts, does she? Yeah. A lot of these characters don't want to believe there's people from outside, and when they meet um, um, Yaz and Graham, they're absolutely horrified <laughs> that these, yeah. uh, that these uh, creatures exist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a bit, a bit of a sense of uh, of them being the horrifying aliens that have, uh, have mm. kind of because they intruded, are aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they? The the made of um, stones, basically. Then the yeah. tend to reflect what they're made of. Yeah, that's a, a really cool element of it as well, isn't it? Mm. Uh, so we lose the TARDIS fairly promptly which is always quite a good for a Doctor Who story yeah <laughs> and in the distance they see a, a diamond city 
Um, it started to make me think about the Wizard of Oz a little bit as well, actually. Yeah, guys, especially the leader's called Emerald. Yeah, yeah you've got the Emerald <laughs> City, the leader of the, the, the city's um, called Emerald. And the thing about the three characters as well, you know, they're all having the kind of different, you know, one of them being curious and one of them being sort of, you know, about the three, yeah, the, the Tin Man and the, the Lion yeah. and all that kind of stuff as well. But, um, so the whole thing's basically the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, well, you've got uh, the Yellow Brick Road in that, haven't you? You've got the White Way in this, which is um, a path to follow as well. I mean, essentially, this is a travel story, isn't it? I mean, it's like people on a on a quest. Yeah. So, uh, so they start to get a bit of um, uh, the odd feeling of a calm before a storm, like something's going to happen. Um, and then this boiling liquid starts erupting from the ground, and and that's what separates from them from the TARDIS, isn't it? At this point, it does. Uh, great Terry Nation tradition. No, yeah. <laughs> it nearly, uh, nearly does for Graham as well, though, doesn't it? Yeah. He nearly falls in. Uh, I was kind of picturing it a bit like Androzani, where the uh, you've got those sort of um, bubbling e- eruptions in the tunnels and stuff like that in the caves that were uh, the bursting out. Just better presented. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then we meet the character of Ash, um, who we learn is the daughter of one of the three friends that we we learnt about uh, at the beginning of the book. Um, and can we point out the dishwashers on? And it's not us making so, those noises. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping the microphones aren't, aren't picking that up. Yeah. <laughs> We have eaten, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, See, Ash is an unusual one because mm. lots of the characters are named after, say, there's people called Quartz, there's people called Emerald, but Ash is a bit... Uh, well, Nibbers, I didn't know there was any significance in that or not, or whether it was just a cool name for, the, for a character. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't pick up whether that was short for something or... No, because, um, I mean, they do get Ash and Pommies from Volcanoes, don't you? But the yeah. stone significance is more for, like, burned uh, mm. cellulose, isn't it, more than anything, so... Yeah, I maybe just a cool that. name and quite a nice short one. If you're writing a character regularly, think, oh, three letters that's something. Yeah, that's it. From uh, Una, like, uh, <laughs> ash-coloured or something, mm. maybe. Yeah. Uh, and she's sort of like quite. She's seen the TARDIS materialise, hasn't she? So she's she's sort of clued up to them being how they've got there and that they are alien straight away. So that sort of skips an awful lot of conversation in that respect. Yeah, because her father's sort of like the only scientist or the only sort of or one of the only curious people um, in this world who, and, and has taught a lot about the, the way the world works and he's got theories about them being on the inside of a sphere and that there's a surface outside and that sort of thing so she's not as scared as, as some of the other rock and people would be and he's amounts of notes and information and study and research for them to discover later so. yeah uh, so yeah as we learn that her father's gone missing because he's gone to sort of find out uh, what's wrong with the world because mysterious cracks have started appearing um, on the inside of the uh, of the sort of the hollowed out world, um, and the very uh, kindly left his daughter to deal with the after effects of his disappearing as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not the best parenting, really, but uh, yeah, it's um, from it's, the uh, it takes you away school of uh, <laughs> yeah school of parenting, um, and obviously there's quite a, a lot of climate change analogy in this. Um, which I think Graham makes specific, doesn't he? he? Says something like, "I don't know if we can solve climate change." Yeah, I mean the parallels to that, especially with the uh, the denial of the uh, the leader, is fairly explicit, isn't it? It's yeah, not, it's not even subtext; it's text. That is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That they're just going to sort of bury their head in the sand, mm. even though um, it's it's having a, a hugely detrimental effect. Like bringing like, in effect legislation or rules to ignore the fact. Yeah, <laughs> again, which has parallels with a certain um, country we could mention. So, yeah. yeah. 
so yeah, you say Ash spots the TARDIS crew, um, and the first hint really you get actually about what what about what she's made of is she can't tell from what stone they've been hewn from, mm. um, which is kind of the first as a nice hint to sort of think. Because they're quite a diverse um, population, aren't they? They they all look different. They're all made of slightly different. Yeah, like some of them are more beautiful than others. And you get sort of the impression that she's not of the sort of like the uh, like the most beautiful of the. Uh, Population, yeah, which is sort of like uh, a bit sort of uh, looked down upon because a her father's regarded as eccentric at best, mm. and over the years has been like um, become quite a controversial figure, and also she's sort of like not like made of emerald, she's not made of quartz, she's not um, yeah made of ruby. Maybe like one bit they talk about sapphire and ruby, it made me think of the opening titles sapphire and steel. <laughs> so yeah. I was imagining uh, Joanna Lumley for a little while, but yeah. Yeah, it's quite open as to how you picture them, um, the the rock people, I think, a little bit, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, I was going to begin with, I was imagining them a little bit like Eldrad. Yeah, because I mean, there's a strong sort of Castrian sort of vibe to a lot of them, but they look yeah. very similar to each other, mainly because they were using the same costume. But <laughs> Yeah, with this, I, I get the impression they're much bigger, you know, kind of, you know, kind of more powerful, impressive. But each figures, one is described sort of, uh, as slightly different. There's no mm. sort of, like, uniformity for them, is there? yeah. Which is again is good for an alien race in Doctor yeah. Who, isn't it? That uh, they're not um... been on TV. The number of action figures could have been endless, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, so yeah, one of the things in here, um, Ryan refers to Graham as Granddad. He does um, both in uh, in sort of dialogue and uh, in, in his thoughts as well. Because to begin with, I thought he called him Granddad in that kind of sarcastic way that you might say Granddad to somebody who you know kind of doesn't grasp something. Mm. Uh, modern, but then he keeps sort of thinking of Graham as his granddad. So, do you think this is set after it takes you away? Well, it would have to be really, because I mean that is such a pivotal moment of the story. Yeah, uh, it has been. But then it is contradictory because at the beginning of the book, you do get the impression that they are still exploring the TARDIS and getting used to this world. So, yeah, I kind of wondered if it was just that Ryan thought of Graham as his granddad long before he actually vocalised it. Yeah, could be. Yeah, um, I say it's up to uh, you to decide, really. Yeah, when you put it in your shelves is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, unlike the other uh, sort of uh, threesomes of books that tend to come out, these ones were released separately, weren't they? So um, I guess that that is the order of the books, at least. Is the Good Doctor? Story, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. But... Molten Heart, and then Combat Magics came out last. Oh. Command them um, to be red left. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, there isn't. There's just very few changes uh, in the characters across series eleven. That this could basically be set anywhere, couldn't mm. it? That's um, you know, once they've got the TARDIS back, at least um, it, it could be anywhere, anywhere within the run. So there's nothing to say it's not between. Basically, it's where you want it to be, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah, that's that. Uh, so. The Doctor and his friends are, are caught by the Green Watch, who are the sort of the police force. Green um, Watch, Emerald, Emerald. Oh, all coming together. Yeah, so they um, they've got a, an emerald um, kind of embedded in their chests or something, haven't they? Their that, allegiance, uh, isn't it? Or that, that, that marks them out as uh, as the police. Uh, and so you get the, the impression there's quite a police state thing going on here now. Is it the worse the situation's got, the more sort of totalitarian it has become? Yeah, you've and got make, that becomes clear very quickly because I mean, Ash is obviously afraid of. The, um, the world out there mm. and the fact you've got secret, well not so secret police you've just got basically police on you everywhere yeah it's, it's not a happy place 
I don't think you get the sense that um, Emerald is an elected leader either, do you? That, uh, no, not really. She's um, maybe a bit of a dictator. Uh, so they're, they're locked up in prison, um, and we've got a reading here by Pete Lambert. Yaz sighed and thumped the flat of her hand against the rock. Sapphire and Ruby, as the friends had decided to call them, had proven themselves able to move very quickly over the rock. They'd lifted up their wands and threatened to use them. The Doctor, deciding she didn't want to find out what the creatures might do, had stopped them all from running on any further. After that, they'd been marched a little way out across a limestone plain. Everything was getting darker and Yaz had started to worry when suddenly they'd stopped in the middle of nowhere. There'd been a hole in the ground, and their captors had made them jump down into it. Then, Yaz watched in horror as they lifted a large flat stone over the top of the hole. It fell into place with a thud. There was a small hole in it through which they could look out and watch the light fade. Rope, muttered the doctor darkly, looking up at the hole. I'm just saying, I'm going to have to make one of you rope monitor. I can't think of everything... Yaz sighed and looked around. There was room enough for the four of them, barely, and she was willing to bet a small fortune that Graham snored. Actually, she was willing to put money on all three of the others snoring. Yaz didn't snore, no matter what her sister said. The doctor was now making herself comfortable. She sat down and rested her back against the wall. She flicked out a sonic and took a reading. From arrival to dungeon in... She counted under her breath. Just under an hour. Oh, that's rubbish, she said. That's miles off my personal best. Ryan, pacing the tiny space, came to a halt by her. You're not very worried. Why worry, said the doctor. Seen one dungeon, seen them all. Why worry, said Ryan. We've been captured by walking, talking rocks. I thought they looked more like jewels, said Yaz softly. They're like nothing I've ever seen before. They've stuck us in here, said Ryan. Anyway, rocks, people, what difference does it make? It makes a lot of difference. The doctor was very serious now. For one thing, we can talk to people, whatever they're made of. Flesh, rock, or lace. Lace? Graham laughed. Really? Yeah, really, the doctor beamed. Fourth moon of Galatasirus Minor. Maybe we'll go there next. Just don't ask for antimacassias. And for another thing, the doctor turned back to Ryan. These creatures probably have a good reason for being afraid of us, because that's all they are, afraid of us. She smiled. I know, I know, we're gorgeous, but to them, well, who knows what kind of nightmare we are. I mean, we're made of meat. Have you ever stopped to think about that? She stopped and thought and shuddered. Meat? All right, said Ryan, with only the tiniest touch of the sulks. I get the point. To be fair to you, though, said the doctor, patting his arm, we haven't tried to lock them up, and nor would we. Would we? No, said Graham. Of course not. Thank you, said Ryan, with dignity. That was my point. All right, gang, said Yaz. Can we get down to business? Cave, stone, how do we get past that and up and out? What about your sonic screwdriver, Doctor? It's not good on rocks, the Doctor admitted. Let me have a think. They waited. Time passed. After a little while, they realised the Doctor had nodded off. Oi, said Ryan, tapping the Doctor's leg with his toe. We're still locked in a dungeon? Hmm? Oh, yeah, sorry, it's dark though, isn't it? 
It is dark, said Ryan, patiently. You get to my age, and you don't pass up the chance for a nap. That, said the doctor, is the sum total of my wisdom. I can second that, said Graham, with feeling. Honestly, you too, said Yaz. Focus, stay awake, dungeon, escape from, thoughts, ideas, plans. We could dig our way out, said Graham, like in that film. Oh, what was it? Your nan loved it, Ryan. The Shawshank Redemption, said Ryan, and it took him over 20 years. Ah, said Graham. Climb. I may have mentioned this already, said the doctor, but none of you thought to bring any rope. There is that, said Graham, peaceably. He looked like he was settling down for the night, too. No digging, no climbing, no sonicking. What are we going to do, said Yaz. Oh, don't worry, said the doctor, cheerfully. Something always comes up. She looked at the stone overhead and waved. Hello, who are you? Yaz looked up, too. A face was peering through the hole in the rock. A jet-black face with silvery flecks like mica. Yaz wondered again what the right word was for skin of a living rock. Crust, maybe? Travelling with the doctor made you rethink everything, she thought, right down to the right words to use. It's okay, the doctor said. We're nice, friendly. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? I'm Ash, said the alien. Are you aliens? A smile spread across the doctor's face. In the dark, she shone like diamonds. They are, she said. I'm not. Do you have any rope? Of course, said Ash. Who goes out without rope? Oh, blimey, said Graham. We'll never hear the last of that. Uh, so thank you very much to Pete for the reading there. Um, he was saying that he's at university in Huddersfield, so he's, uh, he's let that inform his, uh, his accent there. <laughs> so, uh, that's very good. Uh, cheers for that. Uh, so yeah, university in Carlisle it didn't have any effect on my accent at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> I went to Sunderland, and I don't think I've really, uh, really picked up any northeast. Yeah. Uh, so Ash rescues the four friends from the cell, uh, and we learn that the pools of liquid that have been appearing more frequently um, and and can and are fatal to the to the rock people or the great family as they're called. Um, uh, is actually seawater that's sort of getting uh, coming in, yeah, uh, getting boiled up, um, and it's something that Yaz works out as well. Yeah, and you do get the feeling that these things are quite calamitous as well. I think there's one mentioned like a whole settlement's been destroyed and things like that. So, I mean, this is like uh, apocalyptic stuff for these people. Yeah, which makes it even more bizarre. They're denying it's happening, really, because I mean, if an entire town gets wiped out, that's fairly conclusive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I guess it's where, you know, if you dictate something like that, you control the media, though, and you're controlling yeah. the information that's, um, that, that's getting out there. Uh, so we learn more about Ash's father, who's called Basalt. Um, they go to a, a secret cavern, which is uh, Basalt's study, uh, full of kind of treasures, um, and his pet ruby rat. Yes. Um, which I thought was kind of going to come in handy later on in the story yeah, and save them in some way. Um, but I think it was just kind of a cool piece of world building, wasn't it? Mm. Um, that even the even the animals are made of of stone and rock. I've got this right. This is like a secret place as well. It's like um, a lot of it's been hidden. From yeah. The general. Yeah. It gets destroyed later on, doesn't it? It's quite a, it's amazing what they managed to rescue in a very short time. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So this so basalt is basically guess correctly about everything. He's sort of like uh, like a Renaissance. Um, man who's like he knows the world but has basically been persecuted by the authorities of the day hasn't he so he's gone basically to prove 
prove his theories right and see what he can do about it because he, he realises this is going to be world-ending if they're not careful. Yeah, I felt like that. Like he's a Leonardo da Vinci type character because mm. he's... Um, he's Giotto in, or somebody, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of an explorer. He's invented um, kind of like crystalline technology of, sort of communication um, yeah, devices. Yeah, communication. And, everything yeah. that's useful for the plot, basically, is invented. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I felt like he was uh, he was a sort of a da Vinci type. Uh, mm. the, uh, the the rock person... Um, Equivalent. Equivalent, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we get another character uh, turn up, he's Quartz. Now, uh, he is fascinating. I adored him. He was like my favourite in the book. He's so ambiguous, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's one of the three friends um, as well. He's the sort of uh, generous, the one described as the generous uh, friend, isn't he? Because he's, he's sort of. Uh, he's, you know, he's totally ambiguous he's in his what he does and why he does things. And he's probably the best character. In, for me, he was the best character in the book. He was because he was like. The most uh, most real, really. He's yeah. Because uh, basalt is so perfect, it's ridiculous, and <laughs> ash is so uh, plucky, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, an emerald is so like uh, naive and uh, stupid, basically. Yeah, Whereas kind of single-minded, really well-rounded. Yeah. yeah, and he uh, doesn't sort of change too much as well. He admits his faults, but he doesn't sort of like um, have sort of like a uh, Damascene change. He he's, it remains him all the way through. He just has, in the end, to decide whose side he's on. Yeah, but. Uh, it's done quite realistically. No, I liked him. I thought he was very good. I sort of wanted him to be good as well because I thought he made it. He was pointing out him being like he could go to the evil so much. Yeah, and the characters were instantly distrusting of him. I was quite glad he sort of like turned out on the side of the angels as well. But uh, yeah, and I think the, the long way round. Yeah, the doctor mistrusting him is always quite a good signifier in a story, yeah. isn't it? That uh, and he has his very um, sort like her thoughts about him when he's talking about mm. his big house. She sort of goes, "Oh, good for you." Yeah, and he doesn't change things like that. So they're all sort of a bit funny about him. Yeah, so it's um, yeah, it, it does. It keeps you guessing, definitely. Uh, so yeah, he's basically heard that there's there's something um, strange going on. Um, so he thought that basalt and ash would probably be involved. So he's <laughs> um, he knows about the the study with all the uh, kind of inventions and stuff, um, and he's been financing some of basalt's experiments. Um, so he's sort of on his side, but also he kept in with the. Uh, with the um, Emerald uh, Emerald Queen, is it? Or the Empress? Empress. Emerald, yeah. Yeah, so he's kept his... Uh, yeah, he's kept in both the 14 each camp, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been he's been feeding information about what Bastard's up to, to to Emerald. But as it turns out, not everything. Not quite everything, mm. yeah. Um, so they decide that they're going to follow Bastard to, uh, to see what's happening with their world. And then begins a very long quest. Yeah, but they're, they're split up because another... Um, uh, there's another kind of eruption of boiling seawater uh, that separates. So the Doctor uh, ends up with Ryan and Graham and Yaz. Uh, they're separate ways. Yeah. They're separated from much of the rest of the book at that point. So the Doctor and Ryan go off with Basalt. Um, Goes with Ash to find Basalt. Uh, sorry, yeah, with Ash to find Basalt. And they basically get caught up in court politics, really, don't they? So... Uh, one yeah, the David Whitaker plot, and well, the other one gets the termination plot. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they have uh, yeah, these like the, the adventures. They go on the uh, the White Way, which is the white hot lava rapids, um, and there's was it lava sharks and mm. uh, and, and jellyfish. Lots of things that was defeated and, uh, the TV budget, so it's like very good for a book that was. Yes. Yeah. And they also like realise ways of doing things, don't they? So they come to respect each other as they are travelling along. Yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, it's sort of thing like you say, Terry Nation would love as well, isn't yeah, it? Is to, yeah, uh, the latter episodes of the Daleks, this was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, meanwhile, Quartz takes Yaz and Graham to the Diamond City, as you say, take, take them to his house. Very big house, big posh house. A very uncomfortable sounding house because everything's sort of like made of stone, basically. Yeah. So, like she's trying to sleep on like this bed made yeah. <laughs> like of stone with like a, like this sort of like chainmail blanket, basically, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think she does find a cushion at one point, doesn't she? She's really surprised that there's a, that there's a, a cushion there. Mm. But they meet um, the local great and the good, don't they? And it's a bit of a disastrous meeting on the whole because the majority of the people are yeah. just, uh, horrified by the sight of these folks. Invites a few people over. Um, and uh, yeah, they um, because they start talking about a surface on the outside of the world mm. and that they're aliens that they've come there. It's it's heresy, heresy or science fiction, basically, isn't it? Yes. It's, yeah. Uh, that they so they all storm out. Um, the only sort of named character there is Onyx, I think. Yeah. Who uh, is the last one to leave and uh, kind of is a, is a bit of a suspicious character at this point as well. His relatives were uh, salt and pepper pots from the nineteen seventies. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, the Doctor and Ryan um, find a tablet that's been left behind by Basalt, and Ash is able to decipher it because she's familiar with uh, with her father's kind of codes and uh, and ways of doing things. Which made it completely pointless leaving, unless his daughter was going to be travelling. So, <laughs> yeah, so it was obviously left for her because nobody else would have understood it. So, if he wanted her to follow, why not take her in the first place? But. I guess it was obviously it was a ruin the plot of the book. But if he didn't come back, then she would go and look for him and uh, and get clues to where he's. I've gone to uh, certain death. Gone. Why don't you follow me? Yeah. Uh, so Doctor Ryan, then um, they find um, a kind of a, a mine shaft, and they realise it's been um, it's been sort of machine made, and there's some metal equipment that they realise couldn't have been made on that world because they don't really have metal. Um, they get in the lift, which gets stuck halfway up, mm-hmm. um, but then gets pulled up the rest of the way, um, and it's Basalt that's, uh, that's pulled them up, so they, they finally find him. Reunion time. Meanwhile, Graham and Yasmi Emerald. Um, she knows the world's ending, but uh, you say she doesn't want to cause a panic and everything like that, and she's sort of... Uh, I started to find her really frustrating because uh, she's so intransigent, isn't it? And, uh, yeah. Will she go to the one side? No, she won't. And it's, uh, after a while, I got quite irritated with her. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's good writing, because I suppose I think we're meant to be. But I did find her really irritating by the end of the book. Yeah, yeah but Yaz, I thought it was really good scenes for Yaz, because mm. while Graham's trying to sort of... Um, be diplomatic so, yeah and, and placate her a bit Yaz is confronting her and saying oh, look, this is what's happening this is the truth yeah. your people are in danger you um, have to uh, you get Graham's thoughts oh that's blown it when yeah. <laughs> goes, Yaz goes that little bit too far yeah. uh, and they get locked in a dungeon mm. so it's uh, yeah it, um, they, they don't really uh, manage to persuade her uh, but they're rescued from the dungeon by Onyx, who was at the uh, at the meeting yeah. at the, the meeting the day before, and he's a member of Green Watch, um, quite high ranking, I think, or in charge of Green Watch. You get that but, feeling because uh, he gives people orders, doesn't he? Yeah. He also said sometimes that next time we meet, I will be saying one thing, but do you you can trust me? I just won't be saying what. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what so he, yeah. he takes them back to Quartz, who apologises and says that he he sort of um, gave them up to Emerald to hide. Now, to keep the Doctor's mission a secret, secret yeah. so that uh, all the focus would basically be on them and, and uh, he hadn't told them that there was more aliens and that they'd gone after Basalt sort of thing. Uh, so they all go back to the study. And 
the small sort of like then they've been followed, have they? Or uh, they, they get discovered somehow? Don't they, they they find the uh, the communication equipment yeah. that was um, invented by Basalt and they use it to talk to the Doctor uh, and Ash up on the surface. But Quartz says, well, actually, I did tell Emerald about this, and she's and got she's a copy got a of copy it, so she can monitor what they're saying. Basically. So uh, yeah, she's. Uh, She's phone hacking. Like, uh, <laughs> There's a nice bit where the, the two can meet, uh, the two parties can actually speak to each other again, which is probably by that time the book was needed because they had been separated for quite a long time, haven't they? Yeah, because again, it wasn't something you got a lot of in Series 11, was it? There was a lot of um, all the companions and the guest cast walking around in a big group quite a lot of the time. So yeah. I think it's uh, it's good to get them split up and you see probably different more traditionally Doctor Who as well actually so yeah. it feels more like Doctor Who that doesn't it so yeah it allows sort of two groups to carry different plots and, and discover things and then uh, like you say that you can talk and, and exchange information on what they've uh, what they've discovered yeah. discovered so the Doctor and Co are sort of going to have to brace themselves now and go to the circus aren't they yeah so um, yeah Basalt's found all this mining gear which isn't isn't of their world <laughs> Uh, there's a little train and stuff to run around these mining tunnels and things, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they uh, they take another lift up up to the surface. Um, while, as you say, they hide it all the, as much as they can in the study. They hide it in the basement. Onyx takes some of it away, and they just sort of hope that they can trust him yeah. uh, because they know that Emerald's people are on the way, and they'll basically just destroy everything because uh, they're trying to blame the, the changes in their world and the, the damages being caused on basalt on progress basically and, and learning yeah. yeah that that it's it's his um meanwhile basalt and his followers are actually shoring up the um, the sky basically aren't they yeah they're, they're trying to repair the damage as, as best they can um the doctor and ryan arrive on the surface and it turns out all to be the fault of industry yeah it's miners and Prospectors and technology, which is always to blame. So basically, they just find a shed, don't they? And they find the information inside the shed. <laughs> and Ash, sort of like, um, she comes up and she's completely overwhelmed by the world above them, isn't she? Yeah, this is where you get the um, get the sense that uh, they, it's just very difficult for them to handle it. They're being somewhere where there isn't a, uh, a sky or anything like that. Well, basically. Yeah, so the... Uh, they, the Doctor basically find out what's going on. People have been prospecting. A disaster happened, so the uh, the, the aliens all left. Yeah, the some of them were killed, left they? running, in effect. Yeah. Is, um, is it robots or drones or something? Which is nanobots. Like, nanobots. Yeah, is like, it reminded me of Smile, the sort of setup of Smile there, because you've yeah. got the, the nanobots have come and they've built the mine and the mine workings and the equipment, so they don't have to be transported. You know the way the buildings in Smile are all made of... Of nanobots. So, so basically, we have the plot now. The technology is destroying the planet. Yeah. How to deal with it. So the doctor contacts, or tries to contact the people who originally left all the technology there, and the only person she can contact is somebody who's on the second week of their uh, yeah. of their job, basically. Yeah. yeah. Ulu Ulu? Yeah. I was not quite yeah. sure how to pronounce Ulu Lulu, maybe. Yeah, it was like an intern, a nice character as well, because yeah. it's like somebody who really doesn't have the authority to be doing this stuff, but. Yeah sort of like sees the morality of it and does it which is quite nice so yeah, uh, yeah. so it's a bit like a cross the one bit the child contacted him again he's gone for a snack isn't he yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fate of the world is there but he's just nipped off to get something to eat which is quite fun so yeah I quite like that character it's a bit of light relief in what is coming quite a tense story hasn't it so. yeah and you're also, it's almost like a sort of a broken switch story because the the mining's just been left on mm. um, the, the drill's been left on and that's what's destroying the world but then also the you know they're just sort of like the 
the the capitalism and greed kind of run riot sort of thing that you get in there, um, like oxygen or mm. colony in space or something like that, isn't it? Where it's uh, you know the threat is just kind of. I mean, you get the impression they didn't know about the underground world either, did they? It was no, they hadn't. So it hasn't been done maliciously. It wasn't sort of like uh, sold the the uh, the locals. It's definitely been. Um, it's all been an accident, in effect, hasn't it? Yeah, so. yeah. They haven't um, they haven't picked up any of the scans or whatever, whether because they're rock creatures or whatever, and they haven't picked up any uh, conventional uh, conventional life signs. So, uh, meanwhile, Yaz and Graham. Uh, they're, they're sort of on the run with Quartz but he they can't keep up with him um, and they're arrested again at this again, point I think yeah. um, I think I was getting a little fed up with the this side of the story by this point because now you've got sort of the excitement of what's actually happening I think just wanted to get to the conclusion of it now all these work it out but there was a fair bit to go really wasn't there yeah they uh, the so they've got to have a showdown with Emerald yet yeah um, the, yeah, so the uh, they're arrested at the study, aren't they? Um, haven't hidden as much as they can. Mm. Um, they're, they're taken back to the Diamond City, um, where they uh, they meet Emerald again. And uh, the Doctor, having Scoobatch on the surface, projects a hologram down so she can speak to Emerald face to face. When in retrospect, if she's scared of like modern developments and stuff like that, a hologram is really going to freak her in. So yeah. yeah, it probably wasn't the most sensible thing to do. But there we yeah, because it's great. She just sort of appears yeah. in the in the sort of throne room as well. Um, and I thought this was great because one of the complaints of series eleven is the Doctor not really tackling people sometimes, like like mm-hmm. Robertson in uh, Arachnids in the UK and well, the father in the uh, you know, takes you away. She let him get off very lightly as well, did she? So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, really kind of um, takes her to task, Emerald, um, over the fact that she says, uh, "You've stopped listening. You've started lying, uh, and you think you're doing the right thing, but you're wrong." And that sort of came across as very sort of Jodie Whittaker. Really. I could hear her saying that. Well, I quite like that bit. Yeah, you're wrong because she's very blunt in um, what she does and what she says. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. And is she broadcasting to actually to the entire yeah, population by this point? I couldn't quite remember whether that was then or was that later. There's, yeah, but there's Doctor holograms all over the city so that they can see at least see the Doctor's side of the conversation and what she's saying about mm-hmm. about what's happening. Um, Which reminds me a bit of an old Babylon 5 story, but there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched that since it was broadcast. I'm Sheridan broadcast to everybody and he had his hologram from the planet below to like announce he was like going to declare war or something, wasn't it? Ah, uh, right. They never used that planet, did they? Nope. Um, it was always there. They made it too easy in the end, though, wasn't it? So uh, yeah. there was too much um, technology there. So basically, they just used it as a relay point for broadcasting, which was a uh, yeah. was massive like, technological wonder. You basically used it as a radio. Because so. <laughs> the, the guy that was down there and the... And the he, he, I mean, oh. Yeah. Uh, and you say, oh, you know, do you, do you want, no, no, we're going to keep you in reserve for when we really need you. And then I don't think they ever did. Oh, yeah, we kind of forgot about you, really. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if part of that might be because they had to um, finish off the story arc in season four, didn't they? Because they didn't they know did, if they were yeah. going to get a fifth season. It got a wee bit rushed. Yeah. yeah, but then season four is just all killer, no filler, isn't it? Yeah. Because uh, I think when you get a series like that, like I'm finding Discovery a little bit like Star Trek Discoveries on, on Netflix, a little bit like this at the moment, where there's a, a quite an interesting story arc. 
Uh, and the episodes that don't continue that story arc, um, you find quite frustrating. You can think, no, get back to it. <laughs> Funnily enough, I did a grand rewatch of um, X-Files last year, hmm. and it was actually the standalone stories I ended up enjoying the most. I find yeah. it like the, uh, the ongoing plot, I got a bit bored, because I knew it didn't resolve, it never came to any resolution, I think, so in the end I just thought, what's yeah. the point of this? <laughs> Probably on a second watch you get... Yeah, a bit more. Uh, if you, especially if you know there is no yeah. resolution, or you know what the resolution is, you can you can enjoy the other episodes a bit more. It was funny that rewatching Babylon Five, which also did. It was like because you knew there was a resolution, it all had meaning and purpose and point. Yeah, the, uh, the arc story. So uh, anyway, anyway, back to the <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, meanwhile, on the surface, the, the the doctor tries to shut off the drill. But then the mines start getting bombed by satellites because the, the systems detected is being interfered with. So it's protecting their investment by blowing it up, which seemed a bit weird, but then yeah. Yeah, but I guess if they're nanobots, they're just gonna kill whoever's there and then the nanobots can rebuild the um the system again. The buildings, uh, you know, if they if they avoid damage. Uh so Ryan kinda comes into his own um a bit like when he sort of does his computer game bit in the Ghost Monument. Yeah. Uh, so she's obviously read that script before the yeah. thing. Yeah. So he's uh, he can uh, take control of the satellites one by one and, mm-hmm. and shoot at the other satellites. But then when they realise he gets sh- that one gets shot down, so then they have to take over another one. He gets kicked out. So he yeah. finds that he can move between the satellites. And now uh, that was a brilliant bit. I really like when it said that he realised that he was humming the Star Wars theme tune yeah. while he was doing it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Something again they couldn't afford to do on television yet. Yeah. Use that bit of music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt like that was. Um, it also gave him something to do because he had been slightly um, just reactive at that point, hadn't he? So it's, it's actually given him something to do in the plot. Yeah, um, I, I like the bit with Ryan as well when they um, just kind of the really dark, creepy forest, um, and they, they, I think when they find the first tablet from basalt, and it's, it's going to tell them which way to go. And Ryan's like, well, he's obviously going to tell us to go through the dark, creepy forest. There's no, there's no way we're avoiding that. Yeah, he's experienced uh, enough as a traveller by then and seen enough uh, yeah. these kind of dramas <laughs> to know that. Yeah. So all the characters come over as like, really quite uh, sympathetic and nice, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you get, there's a, a thread of Ryan being a Lord of the Rings fan as well, isn't there? Mm. Um, definitely a closet sci-fi fan, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you've got the Star Wars and then um, they, there's references to sort of the minds of Moria and uh, things like that. Very much unlike the actor, apparently, who's uh, very dismissive of these things by all accounts. But Is he? Just goes to show how good isn't he? Ah, no. Yeah. That's a shame, because he's got... Um, Probably a his life is basically. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. He's yeah. gonna have people coming up to him, or even just conventions and yeah, stuff like that. Any photographs when everything else goes tits up? Yes, he's yeah. gonna be answering questions and uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, having shot down the satellites, um, they uh, they get some help then from the representative from the mining company. Um, he sort of tells them how to use the nanobots to representative in a very loose sense. Of the yeah, word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A very, very, so, very yeah. low-rung employee, basically. Yeah. yeah he was just, his feelings with, like, the cleaning chapel or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's he's slightly more up than that. But, yeah, yeah, but he yeah. saw an alarm going off, and then he sort of just sort of answered it and teleported in. And It's like uh, a really old system. It just happened to have passed. Yeah. Uh, so they, um, they're then able to use the nanobots, basically, to, to stop the drilling and then ultimately to, uh, to seal the, uh, the cracks in the earth and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usher in a new dawn for the... Uh, of enlightenment and peace. The oh. world. Yeah. Emerald sees the error of her ways in a slightly unconvincing way and uh, <laughs> really hoping she was going to get killed in <laughs> swept away by uh, salt water or something. But, uh, uh, it's, it's, 
it's better if um, if leaders see the error of their ways, isn't it? And um, just before dying horribly, yes. <laughs> you know, if, if Donald Trump realizes that uh, that climate change is real, and just before we get swept away by Walter Moore, yes. <laughs> Theresa May gives us a second referendum <laughs> rather than defying what, uh, denying what's patently obvious disasters. Are. It's the middle of March, folks. Yes, it's I don't know. But <laughs> those listening in the future it's the middle of March yeah so and basically everybody is uh, just dividing what they've done mm-hmm. Quartz is sort of like came down the right side just at the right minute Emerald's discredited but not killed uh, yeah. yeah but I think the, the fact that you got that they were three friends to begin with when they were young and they grew up together and they although they've drifted apart and they've gone down different paths and had different views the fact that they can all you know come back together at the end mm. and, and, and reconcile mean, like that's quite satisfying there is a thread that Basalt was actually a trusted advisor for Emerald for a long time yeah until his um, his advice became inconvenient in effect yeah and then they went their own ways but uh, so they had a relationship to begin with which is quite interesting yeah and the, Maybe a bit like kind of uh, Binro, isn't it? I suppose you've got that um, the, the the heretic, but the, the actually really knows what's going on and, and can see the way the world really is. And he was a lot more positive in his um, actions as well. But uh, mm. anyway, the world is safe. But get the impression that um, there's the uh, especially Basalt's crew of like there's been a sacrifice of their lives and. Um, they're going to be doing repairs for like a long time in the future you get the feeling as well yeah. it's not been an instant fix it's going to be you know, slightly more um, hard work in the future for them but they now realise yeah what's, what's causing it and, um, and, and how to fix it, it. Yeah. yeah and that as they say was that that's it so yeah I really enjoyed this one I did I did think at one point it's going to be another like it's going to be just another um, journey story but actually the um the Yaz story as well sort of like helped to um, you know, keep it sort of like political as well which was quite nice so yeah it wasn't totally a journey it was good um, and definitely um, I think I enjoyed well, this more than The Good Doctor I, I enjoyed this a lot The Good Doctor mm. very depressed so, <laughs> <laughs> so no it was uh, a good romp yeah and the world building like I say was, was mm. brilliant you know like a, a truly alien sort of civilization and how it would work and the even the ecosystem the infrastructure and great for and a book as well because it would be really really difficult to realise on television absolutely on their budget yeah to realise it well yeah even a feature film would possibly struggle with this yeah. um, with the, all the characters being um, silicon so and the world always having like in you could never have any sky everything above you would have to have detail on it wouldn't it so yeah it would be, uh, be very expensive to realise so no it was uh, perfect for a novel yeah the thing I thought early on it was going to be I thought there was going to be some reveal of the, the nature of the rock people were they created or something like that and we're going to find out that um, you know if there was so well, we just like to see nanobots or something like that but yeah um, but I, I like that that they were just a civilization that had mm-hmm. evolved and, and grown yeah kind of organically like that and yeah uh, I mean it's a truly it's, alien culture something we get very rarely in Doctor Who isn't it yeah so uh, because you get the vision even though they're humanoid in shape they're not they don't look like humans do they they're, no they're, they're probably like a basic similar shape that's probably because we are conditioned to think of them. there's nothing actually in the book that says they have like two eyes nose and mouth as no well. they, they could just be as ever you want to imagine them so that's true yeah well thank you very much for joining me thank you I hope the modern technology has worked out we're are using you? a new recording system today folks so yeah Hopefully, fingers crossed. Hopefully, it is recording. Uh, so, uh, 
Yeah, if you listen to this, then, then it it's worked. Recording. <laughs> <laughs> if you sound a bit tinny, it's the phone recording. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you can find Keith on Twitter as 50DW50, although I'm using my own name these days. And you're on Tumblr? Not anymore. I've shut that down. There's a oh, okay. protest of modern uh, events on Tumblr, which have gone very, um, very right wing on there these days. So Is it? Yeah, it's gone very. Um, they're trying to sell things by banning a lot of what they consider to be um, um, unfriendly uh, advertisers, but that also includes a lot of um, um, trans people's um, work. It also gets rid of a lot of gay people's work and things like that. And Basically, they're just trying to repress freedom of expression, so I've turned my back on Tumblr. Ah, I was unaware of that. I will, I will cease using Tumblr as well. Oh, marvellous. Uh, I mean, Bring I never, down the government between us. <laughs> yeah, I never get any sort of... Uh, and to be honest, nobody uses it anymore. So. No, I was going to say... I, I post, <laughs> That's a probably big thing. I think, I think if I was massively popular on there, I'd be a hypocrite. But, I think uh, I, I post stuff on there and you might be the only one that ever uh, yeah. likes it or anything. I think so. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to be very quiet now. Yeah, so no I'm, I've even deleted my uh, links to it now, so... No, it has gone. You can find me on Twitter as at Trap1 underscore. Uh, You can like the Trap1 page on Facebook. And if you're very kind, you could leave a review on iTunes or even just a star rating. That would be very much appreciated. And the podcast will be back in two or three weeks' time. Uh, We've got some really cool ones lined up. Because he's going on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Very exotic holiday. (laughs) going on a little holiday to celebrate my 40th I say celebrate because I'm 40 really would be a more accurate way of putting it I think oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so join us then thanks for listening goodbye bye bye